This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. All right, welcome to the premiere episode of the At The Turn podcast. Is it the At The Turn podcast or it's just At The Turn podcast, Nick? I think it's the the At The Turn podcast. The At The Turn podcast. You know, my old my old <laughs> yes, boss. We should know before we <laughs> Yeah, we should figure this out. It. You know, my old boss always said to me, never say the on the radio. She always say the. But a lot of people say the. I doubt she's a millennial. <laughs> she's not. I'm Joe. That's Nick. We got a really good show coming up for you today. We're going to talk uh, to a sports psychologist. He's going to come into the studio and he's going to make us all scratch golfers. So you want to tune in for that. And then we're going to talk about the Zurich Classic, which is the team event coming up this week on the PGA Tour. Uh, like Justin Rose and Henrik Stenson, uh, Jason Day, Ricky Fowler, they're going to be on teams, and they're going to go play golf like it's a regular tour event, so that'll be fun. Uh, and we're going to talk about Tiger Woods because it's a golf show. And then, Nick, I want to start with uh, Lydia Ko. Who is Lydia yes. Ko? Who is Lydia Ko? Lydia Ko is the number one women's golfer in the world. Um, I'm, I'm sure... All of our avid listeners know that. Um, and she made headlines recently because she fired her caddy, which which happens in the world of golf. But uh, it was the ninth caddy she's fired in her career, and she's only 19 years old. So she's taken a lot of heat. <laughs> she also recently cha- uh, fired her swing coach and changed um, Yeah, wasn't it David fields. Ledbetter? What, was, wasn't David yeah. Ledbetter her swing coach? <laughs> it, it was Ledbetter, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so she's making all sorts of changes, and she's under a lot of heat for that. So uh, what's your take on that, Joe? Well, I read your article. Very well written. Good, good, Thank you. Good grammar. But <laughs> I, uh, I disagree. Period's in the right spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's good use of semicolons. I think uh, I, totally disagree. I totally disagree with you. Um, I think— Well, let, let me introduce my point yes, before yes. you disagree with it. Please, go ahead. Um, she's been taking a lot of heat, and I— um, made the argument that she's only 19 years old and you know a lot of people her age are are changing majors in college they're changing boyfriends they're you know they're they're making all sorts of changes whatever they're 19 they they don't commit to anything and she's just the same way it just so happens that you know hers revolves around golf and her world of golf and she's in the public eye because she's the best women's golfer in the world so people should back off as long as she's competing in tournaments and doing well and winning like who really cares who her caddy is okay i 
I don't care who her caddy is, but I think that you're letting her off a little bit easy. And I, I agree. She's 19, yada, yada, yada. But she's not a 19-year-old who's a sophomore in college. She's a 19-year-old who is a not only a professional golfer and a successful one, but the best one in the world. So Lydia Ko's 19 years are like a regular human's years. I would say she's probably like in her late 30s. She's experienced more at 19 than I've experienced in my life. You know, I have a rich, full life, Nick, but I haven't traveled around the world and played golf and made millions of dollars and been incredibly famous before I can even drink alcohol legally in the United States. So I just think that she is someone you can't look. I don't think you can look at her and say, oh, she's 19 years old and compare that to like the rest of 19 year olds that exist. Right. But but certain traits still exist. I mean, like you you still have I mean, sure, she's been through a lot more and she's probably had a lot of media training and, and a lot of brands who want them to represent her or want or want her to represent them the right way. But at the end of the day, you know, she she is what she is. And we just we think that she's much older because she's been winning professional golf tournaments since 2012 when she was like 14. But the fact remains, I mean, yeah. She is still a 19-year-old doing what 19-year-olds do. I mean, I get it. She is, she is, she should be a little bit more, you know, committed to the decision she's making. But I don't, I don't really, I don't see it hurting anybody. I think just people look for a reason to put her in the headlines and kind of scrutinize her a little bit. But I, I don't see why anybody should really care. Why is she? Why is she doing it? I haven't really seen that. So the things that I've read, and eh, who knows. But it sounds like her parents are very overbearing helicopter parents who, who kind of are over her shoulder. So it sounds like they might be influencing a lot of this stuff. Um, and, and, you know, maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. It's, it sounds like I've read that a few different places. That might be the case that they're they're kind of saying, you know, this this might not be good for you. You should do this instead. And she just kind of follows along. Who knows if that's true? But that's that's one reason that's been given. Well, Lydia Ko is interesting, but you know who she's not, Nick? <laughs> I do know who she's not. Tiger Woods, we got to do a little Tiger Talk today. I'm very excited. I was hoping to do Tiger Talk just as like a joke and do like is Tiger's back kind of thing just cuz, you know, it's a funny thing to say. Cuz people would say it for seemingly, I don't know, 5, 6 years now. It's 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 kind of annoying, but a bunch of Tiger Woods stuff actually happened this week. So, um I say we just go through it chronologically. Uh okay. Do you do you even know what I'm prepared to talk about right now? I think so, unless okay. you got some major surprises. But yeah, oh. I followed the I follow every headline that says Tiger Woods. <laughs> Ladies so I hope, Tiger I hope Woods I is joining us in studio right now. Tiger Woods opened a new golf course this week, and mm-hmm. he was interviewed. Uh, and for some reason, Tom Lehman was there, and someone asked him about the senior tour, which in the past he's sort of bristled at and not really responded and blown off the question, and. He actually alluded to the fact that he's only nine years away now, which I just think speaks to Tiger's whole mentality at this point. Like, if you watch him in his prime, even post-prime, like in the middle of last decade, that man would have no interest in the senior tour. Even when he's like (laughs) 60 years old, he'd be out there trying to make cuts on the PGA Tour. So for his mindset to change so much, I just think speaks a lot to where he's at. Uh, I think that the reality of it is... He can no longer say, no, I'm committed to, to winning majors on this tour because he's not he can't back it up. He's physically unable to back it up. So I think it just takes a little pressure off him to say, 
ah, yeah, you know, there's a senior tour in nine years. You know, it changes the expectations. You know, take some pressure off him. He probably, when he said that, knew he was about to have another back surgery. So he didn't want to say, oh, no, I'm a week away from, you know, winning the players. You know, and then the next day the news comes out. I think it was the next day the news came out that he had another back surgery or two days later maybe. But I think it just takes some pressure off him. I, I, I believe his mindset is still the same as it's always been. I just don't think you can really say that with a straight face given what's happened since he was world number one in 2013. Yes, so that was the second thing. Tiger had back surgery, and I do want to get back to 2013 in a second, but I have to digress for a moment because you mentioned the Players' Championship, and you're, you you watch the Golf Channel, right? Um, I'd be lying if I said I did. Oh, no! Okay. Well, there is this commercial where Jason Day says it's a Players' Championship commercial, and the last thing in the commercial Jason Day says, this could be the tournament that gets you in the Hall of Fame. No, it can't. This is like a really important tournament, but there's no way that anyone could tell me that like the players championship, like if someone won nine tournaments in the masters or if someone won nine tournaments in the players, no one's going to care about the person who won the players. (laughs) Who cares? It's, it's, it's important, but it's not as important as they try to make it out to be when the tournament comes around and Oh, the fifth major and all this stuff. I I just, it's fine. It's a fine tournament. Like it's fun to watch. I, I like it a lot, but you can't equate it to even like the PGA championship. I don't know. I mean, I agree. You're definitely right. I personally like it better than the PGA Championship, but I understand it's not a major, and it's. <laughs> I would definitely say it's not the one that gets you in the Hall of Fame. I don't understand that commercial. <laughs> um, I haven't seen it, but um, that's a little bit surprising. I can see if they, like maybe you won two majors and you were like like a <laughs> like a John Daly kind of guy, and you had a players, and maybe yeah. that was like a deciding factor. Sure. But I mean. <laughs> Without a major, I don't think. I mean, it doesn't replace a major, that's for sure. Ricky Fowler's won a Players' Championship, and no one's saying he should go to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, exactly. And Sergio, the best example is Sergio won a Players' Championship before the Masters, and like that wasn't even discussed. It's like, oh, Sergio <laughs> finally wins the major. It's like, well, what about the players? Oh, no one cares about the players. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, the Players' Championship, um, the 2013 tournament was on, and Sergio was involved. You know who won that tournament? Tiger Woods. I did know that. It And it's amazing because, you know, 2013 is a long time ago, but it's not a long time ago at all. It's only four years ago, and Tiger Woods was the best player in the world, and he was winning the – I think he won like five times that year. He, he won five tournaments that year. Yes. I, I recently looked it up, and it was unbelievable, his streak during the you know May, June, July. How how much HGH could he have taken to, got, to, to like get to this point? You know what I mean? Like, how yeah. how, how is he here? I think uh, this back surgery he's had, I, I um, am really excited because I look at it as like the surgery to end all surgeries. Now, I could be completely like blind faith that sure I am. I want I want to see him do well, but I'm like, all right, he had the surgery. Tiger's going to be back full strength now. So you see, OK, that's interesting because I don't think he's like going to be at full strength, but I feel like Tiger can still win not being at full strength like the the best part of his game when he was dominant was his short game and his ability to make clutch putts. Like, that tournament, I think it was just last year, when he, like, couldn't chip the ball into a green. It's like, what is <laughs> yeah, happening? that was bizarre. That it's, is... it's, it's, like, really sad seeing that version of Tiger Woods. And as sad as we are about it, I don't think Tiger's going to let that. He's not going to give that the opportunity to happen again. So... If and when we do see Tiger again, you better believe his short game is going to be uh, where he wants it to be. Tiger strikes me as the kind of guy that 
as long as he is like of an age where people still play professional golf, he will continue to try to get back to where he was because I don't think he can really like change his mindset into not being like, okay, I'm waking up at 5 a.m. doing this exercise, eating this thing for the purpose of like becoming the best professional golfer in the world. Like he's, he's only done that his entire life for him to like not try to be the best golfer in the world and just wake up, go to Krispy Kreme and like go check out a movie (laughs) and go to the beach and like have a few beers. Like he's never going to do that. Yeah, no. And uh, it's so funny because when people talk about tiger, they start talking about his age. Like, Oh, he's, you know, what is he? 42. You know, he might not be able to win again. And meanwhile, like, Phil Mickelson is like contending in the Masters, and yeah. they, people just ignore that. They make the argument against Tiger and completely ignore the age of all these other golfers who are successful. You know, like yeah, I, I'm not worried about his age. Davis Love won a PGA Tour event last year at 51, so it's, <laughs> yeah. it's it, it definitely happens. Well, and you know, I'm gonna make the Grant Hill argument that oh. like, oh, he he missed the last four years. So his body is really four years younger than. Oh, that's age. good. Yes, right. Get that big contract. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely lying to myself 90% of the time when I like think about the potential for Tiger Woods uh, in the future. But otherwise, it's no fun. So why not, right? You gotta, you gotta hope. <laughs> Well, we're going to talk to Brian Baxter. He's the director of a Portland-based sports psychology group. Now, I don't really know what he does, but we're going to ask him a lot about golf stuff, and hopefully he's going to make us all better golfers. So that's coming up uh, in just a moment. If you like what you hear, please follow At The Turn on Twitter uh, at... At at the turn pod, that's the at symbol at the turn pod, and you can like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash at the turn. And also please rate and review us on iTunes and tell your friends. Well, joining us now in studio is the author of the Sports Mindset Game Plan. He is also the director of Spin W in Portland, Oregon, Brian Baxter. Thank you so much for joining us. Glad to be here. So First things first, I asked you a little bit about this in the hallway, but give folks an idea of what a sports psychologist does. Like, what is what does a typical Tuesday for you look like? Well, there's no real typical day, but I would be working either with athletes on an individual level, one-on-one consulting, or out with teams, uh, working with them, or with uh, groups of athletes, coaches, uh, referees, parents, things like that. So is it the kind of thing where you go out and you talk to a team like before a season starts or like the championship game is coming up? Like where do you usually fall in the process? It kind of varies. The way that we like to do it is mental game training. So it's not just a one and done type thing. We like to work with teams over the course of a season. Preseason is a really good time because they have a little more time off from training. Uh, But we want to give a lot of the mental game skills and really implement mental game techniques and help them with team building and setting their goals and some team cohesion type things. So we'll get to golf in a second, but uh, Nick, I gotta, I gotta ask this, like what is the across all sports is like the number one thing you see that, you know, you'll have to correct. I would say how people deal with pressure and anxiety. And, and what is the correct way to do that? Well, it's different for everybody, but the correct way to deal with pressure and anxiety is, is changing your perspective on things. And it is, it's across a couple of different areas, right? So there's mental, so there's what you're thinking about, what you're focusing on. There's the emotional side of it, so how you feel in any, any given circumstance. And then there's the physiological responses that your body has to those mental and emotional 
I like to say from a golf standpoint and from from really any any perspective, pressure is what you apply, not what you feel. So I think that that really uh, validates that saying that I don't know where I stole it from, but uh, <laughs> I, I heard that and really liked it. So that's a I, it feels like you're validating that. So you talk about pressure and anxiety. I think for golfers, the most nervous time is when they step to that first tee. Their buddies are watching them. Perhaps a small gallery has gathered, people judging from the restaurant that's sure. adjacent. So how do I walk up to the first tee and treat it like it's a shot on the 14th hole? Well, the short answer would be to have a routine that you do that you stick to no matter what, no matter if it's the first shot or the last or somewhere in the middle, is that you have a – and what in sports psychology, what we're trying to do is help an athlete – Focus on the process. What is going to give them the best chance to succeed, not the actual outcome or success? That's really interesting because um, I think when I hear the word process, I interpret that as being deliberate. So sometimes you'll see some golfers take a long time to play. Some play very quickly. Does it just depend on the person? Does it should that like match their personality? I would say that's a good way to put it to match their personality. You want to play. You know, when you go and get up there to swing, you want to swing freely and you want to swing to your own personality. I mean, there, there are techniques and things that, are, that you should be doing that you'll be taught to do. But in the end, everyone's swing is a little bit differently. You could think of it like signing your autograph. Everyone's going to be a little bit different. And if you think about it too much, it's going to look kind of weird. If you just go do it at your own pace, that's when it's going to look the most natural. The dogs, I think, agree with that. Yeah, yeah, there's some commotion going on, but... Um, of all the hours that somebody spends working on their golf game, what percentage should they dedicate to their mental game and mental training? 95%. No, I, that, <laughs> I, um, I, I think, again, it kind of depends on the person because some people just naturally are confident and don't let things bother them at all. And some people are a little more high strung or a little more self-critical. And so it kind of depends on your level. But I think any athlete, no matter if you're Tiger Woods or just a very a beginner or a weekend warrior, can use some type of mental game training. And what would you? How would you suggest going about that? Like, say I say I am going to dedicate myself and I have a full time job and a lot of other obligations, but okay, I'm going to improve my golf game and I am going to take into consideration that I also want to improve the mental aspect of that. How would I go about that? Well, you could of course work with a sports psychology ah, consultant. There you go. Uh, <laughs> There are um, there are plenty of books out there. There's you know I think meditation and yoga are good ways to to help people with their mental game and their focus and dealing with pressure. So there's a number of different ways and um, but really with like with anything you the more personally and individually you work with someone the more you're probably going to get out of it. Yeah. Uh, do you find that that sports psychology is underutilized? I mean. Um, not to brag about my wife, but she coaches a soccer team and they brought in a sports psychologist at the start of the season because they'd had some issues to address. Mm-hmm. And it was a night and day difference. And it was like people were surprised, like, oh, you're bringing in a sports psychologist. But it, it made a huge difference. Um, but it, it just people's reaction kind of seemed like, you know, maybe it's maybe it's underrated a little bit. Do you feel that way? Uh, absolutely. It's um, most people don't think they need it until they're kind of panicked and, and, and struggling really, really badly. And, but the reality is, is you can use it any time. It's not just for, you know, when you're struggling, you can use it in a proactive way as well. 
So there are a lot of people that come to see us are in a reactive way where they just have nowhere else to turn. I've tried this. I've tried that. I don't know what else to do. I'm miserable. And, but some athletes come and they say, hey, I, th- I heard this could help me get better. I'm not really struggling that bad, but what can help? And so there's things we can do for anyone along that spectrum from proactive to reactive. Do you find that people who are proactive get more benefit out of it? They can, Yeah, I think so, because they really want to do it. I think it's like anything else. If you really have an interest in getting better, you're going to do the homework. You're going to do the practice. You're going to keep up with it. And uh, if you went to the gym and uh, worked out a couple times and didn't follow up, you would get those results. If you did everything exactly disciplined and, and like you would do anything else, you would get see good results out of it. It is interesting. I mean, I, I, I know you were being tongue-in-cheek when you said 95%, <laughs> yeah. but really – I've played golf for going on 20 years, and I've spent zero time on my mental game that right. entire time. So are there like, I mean, should I take up yoga? Should I meditate? Should I buy 12 mm-hmm. copies of your book for me and my closest friends? <laughs> right. Well, I think that I think reading and getting an idea of it is going to be the best way to start. So read up, read a couple of books. Um, you can check out videos online and things. Read up on sports psychology. And then kind of see where it fits with you because there's kind of a, a range. Like I said, there's the thoughts, there's the emotions, there's your physiology. And so how, how much do you want to improve and, and what areas do you need to improve? So that, that leads me to something that I wanted to ask you. Um, if I'm having a miserable round, like I probably had four or five rounds in my life where about 12th hole, I really thought I just don't need golf in my life anymore. It's like that miserable out there. So how do I change my mindset to be like, Something positive, and, and, and I'm actually enjoying myself. Right. That is a, that's a really good question that a, lot of athletes, that a lot of athletes ask. And really, it's about your perspective. And in sports psychology, one of the key concepts that, that at least I teach is focusing on the controllables, focusing on what you have in your control. And there's a lot of factors outside of your control in golf. There's the weather. There's the course. There's the time of day. There's, you can't always control what happens. Um, but what you can control is your attitude, your perspective. You can control your effort level. You can control your focus on the present. And you can control how you prepare yourself. So having a good routine, having a good attitude. And, you know, if you're struggling that bad where you're miserable, that's where you might need to look at, well, what is actually the end goal here? Because you're probably not have no illusion of PGA stardom. Right. Maybe senior tour, but, you know, I still have 20 years to go. <laughs> okay. So we can get to that. We could, we could face that, uh, that challenge when we get there. <laughs> but if you're going to make that tour, you have to enjoy it. And I tell athletes all the time, you're not just trying to play like a pro. you got to learn how to fail like a pro. you got to learn how to struggle like a pro, deal with adversity like a pro. So every golfer is going to have those bad days and those bad shots. But the ability to say – and especially for a weekend warrior, for someone like yourself, it's taking a step back, slowing down, relaxing, looking around you and saying, OK, where would I rather be? You know, there's that bumper sticker, I think, for fishing, like a bad day at fishing is better than a good day at work. So can you have that perspective where it's like, OK, well, at least I'm here playing golf. Magically, though, magically, if you do that, you let go, you start enjoying yourself and you start playing better. Simple, yeah. right? Simple. <laughs> I, uh, I'm glad you mentioned the gym analogy earlier because I wanted to ask you, is mental training uh, something like tying your shoe where once you learn it, you don't have to 
continue to work at it, you just have it down and, and it's in the bag? Or is it like going to the gym where uh, just because you do it a little bit, you have to continue to build on that for, for to maintain those results? I think there's always some fine tuning that goes along with it. I mean, there, but there is some second nature part to it where when you struggle. So, for instance, we have we teach a technique called circle breathing, which is just deep breath in through the nose and out through the mouth. It's controlled. It's slow. And that's something that after you practice it for a while and you see the results that it, you know, knocks down your anxiety a little bit, gets you a little more focused, then you're going to do it automatically. But it, it sometimes does take a little while. But um, in my experience, yeah, fine tuning is is going to be necessary typically. So the, um, the thought when someone is swinging the golf club, yeah, what can I do to simplify that? Mm-hmm. The most. To simplify that the most, I think the best way is to have a solid routine that you do each and every single time so that when, you're, that when you do finally address the ball and get ready to swing, you've prepared yourself to the best of your ability and you're ready to go. Uh, not that there's a simple way to do that. It, it takes practice. It takes discipline. It takes trial and error. But, um, yeah, I mean, you really want to get up there and not be thinking about anything. And just looking at where you want the ball to end up and kind of maybe seeing a little bit of that, the visualization aware of the flight of the ball and things like that. Um, you know, you don't want to overthink. Simplify is a great word. I use that all the time. Simplify your thinking. I, I just have one more question. I don't know if Joe has anything else, but this is okay. a debate we've been having just amongst ourselves. Uh, you know, would, would somebody rather have a one stroke lead or a, or a one stroke deficit going into the last round of a tournament. So I'm going to ask you, would you rather if you're, you're playing the last round of a four round golf tournament, have a one or two stroke lead, but you're playing against Tiger Woods or you're trailing by one, <laughs> but you're playing against Bryson DeChambeau, which would you choose? Hmm. You're going to have to give me a second on that one. <laughs> <laughs> he has to analyze it, Nick. For me, well, what I hear most often, what's most natural for people, is that they would probably want to be down because that gives them a little more focus and they're trying to catch somebody in there. And if you're up, you're might going to think too much about it. That's, at least in my experience, what I've heard the most of. Now, whether that's the right attitude to have, I don't know. I think um, if I slow that, if I... Slow that question down a little bit. So I'm going to go from the sports psychology positive mindset. I want the two-stroke lead. Oh, no. I want to be a half. Yeah. <laughs> well, Brian, I'm sorry that was the wrong answer, but no. uh, thank you for no, joining us I mean, today. I got a parting gift, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, it's, it really is interesting because you, you, whenever you see someone make a charge in a tournament, you say, well, he didn't have to play in the last group, so he played nice and free. Mm-hmm. But if you're someone like Tiger Woods – you're already nice and free because you know you're better than everyone else. You're confident you're going to do it. So sure. that's what you want. Well, well I guess the, the, the real answer is I don't want to be playing against Tiger Woods. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but the point is you, you want to get your, your clients in the mindset that they're comfortable no matter where they are, right? And, and, of course, if you're comfortable, if you're equally comfortable trailing or leading, then you'd rather be in the lead because you have to be in the lead to win, right? Absolutely. One of my favorite quotes is by uh, Steve Spurrier when he was a coach at Florida. And he said something like, you know, I heard Tony, Tony Dungy say he wanted the game to be close going into the fourth quarter. I'd rather be up three or four touchdowns, but that's just a matter of opinion. <laughs> yeah. 
Awesome. <laughs> well, I think that's a great note to end on. He is the author of the Sports Mindset Game Plan. He is also the director of Spin W in Portland, Oregon. Brian Baxter, thank you for the book and for your time. All right. Thanks for having me. It was fun. All right. So a uh, little Zurich Classic action. Yeah, I told you this before, Joe. I cannot wait for the Zurich Classic at the end of this month. And those are words I can honestly say I've never said before. <laughs> and, and maybe never will again, unless they keep this, because it is a team event, and it's not just the scrubs. We got some big names. So it is what, – what, what, what is the format? I'm not, I'm not sure what the format is. It's uh, alternate between shot and best ball. So first round will be alternate shot, second round best ball. Then there's, they're going to cut the field uh, from – 80 teams to 35 plus ties, and they're going to do it again. Alternate shot on Saturday, best ball for the championship on Sunday. And the teams are really interesting. So Jordan Spieth is playing with Ryan Palmer, both both Texas guys. Patrick, yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's kind of an outlier for the uh, – I was surprised about that pick, but we can uh, talk about it later. We can talk about some more of these ones first. Patrick Reed and Patrick Cantlay, I guess they're just, you know, team team Patrick there. Team Patrick. That's that's my favorite going into this. I, you don't know this about me, but you will. Patrick Reed is maybe my favorite golfer on tour. <laughs> no! <laughs> Patrick Reed. No! To, and him in a team event, just like, uh, I just crave Patrick Reed on primetime TV in a team golf event. Like, I can't wait for that. So, don't you, yes. <laughs> don't you loathe his personality? No. Not at all. Not at all. Oh, man. Nick. He's so fun. Does not like Jordan Spieth's personality and enjoys Patrick Reed's. This is it's a very enlightening episode of At the Turn. Um, yeah. So one of the teams that I highlighted is a very interesting team is Bryson DeChambeau. That's the homie in the paperboy cap, and he uses all the same length clubs, like his sandwich is the same length as his driver. And the least popular player on tour, I'm not just saying this, like, they do that golf digest poll of all the golfers anonymously. And Rory Sabatini won like six years in a row of like the <laughs> person we don't like the most. So that'll be a very interesting group, those two guys. Wow. Uh, Bryson's interesting. He's all over like the media, but never for how he performs in a tournament. <laughs> he has so many commercials. <laughs> oh, I'm really into science. Let me use how this iPad yeah. works. Congratulations. <laughs> Now, that that being said, he did win the individual NCAA championship when he was in college, and I think he did pretty well on the web. I mean, was he professional when he did that? <laughs> he's good enough to be in the PGA Tour, but definitely not good enough to, like, be the lead sponsor for Microsoft in the PGA Tour. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I mean, I guess he's on par with, like, the, the scouting director for the NFL team they use. <laughs> like... Nobody's heard of that guy, but I'm sure he uses an iPad, like Microsoft version of iPad. And like Bryson DeChambeau is the same way. Like, yeah, he's never, you know, you, you never really see him on Sunday when you're watching TV, but like you kind of know that he exists. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> you, you know of his presence. Yeah. So Team so. South Africa, Brendan Grace and Louis Oosthuizen. That, uh, that's probably my pre-tournament pick, especially because Grace has been playing so well and Louis is just such a sweet swinger. Yeah, you know, my if I had to put money down, I know I said I like the team Patrick, but that's just like who I personally want to watch. But I got Rose and Stenson, man. Yeah. I mean, that's got a, that's a powerful team. They're one of the two teams that's that's both top ten in the world. 
Um, they were the gold and silver medalists in the Olympics. Yeah. Uh, they got to be a heavy favorite for sure. And then the other top 10 teams, Day and Fowler, another big favorites. And then. Um, yeah, Day is a question mark right now, though, you know, just because yeah. everything that's been going on with him with yeah, his, his mother his and mother's stuff. diagnosis, you know, so um, it will be really it will be really fun to see them do well. And, and Ricky's always a wild card. I think anytime you tease it up. Um, but for that reason, they're not my you know, they're not the team I would bet on uh, just because Rose and Stenson seems more more of a solid pick. And then you have Bubba and JB, which that'll be a lot of fun. I bet uh, I bet they have lots of wedges into greens. Yeah, for sure. Bubba's always fun to watch. He's, he always uh, <laughs> he, he makes it interesting no matter what. So, um, Joe, we have seven of the top ten players in the world in this cool. tournament. Cool. That's so fun. You know, they, they, they did the old guy tournament. Um, they have a best ball, like, at a par three that they do every year. And, like, Jack Nicholas and Gary Player were doing it. And, you know, Freddie and all those guys, the big names. And these team events are just great. I'm glad they're at least doing one. I wish they would do another match play tournament. I feel like that's a really fun format because, okay, today is a perfect example. So we're recording this on a Sunday afternoon. The Valero Texas Open just finished up. And I peeked in because I have a few fantasy golfers in there. But woof, there are some tournaments out there that really could use some sort of, like, format change or just like a cool hook about it to get people to tune in. Because like you said, <laughs> who cares about the Zurich Classic? Well, now everybody does. Yeah, I mean, I think I think other tournaments are going to follow suit. There's a reason why the Zurich did this. Uh, they, they needed to shake things up, I'm sure. And the, the, the gap between like the premier tournaments and the, like the Valero Texas Opens of the world that are just kind of between majors, I think is huge. And... If they want to grow their, you know, like grow the audience, I mean, look at what they've done. They got seven out of the ten, top ten in the world for the Zurich Classic. You know what I mean? Like, I think just just the thinking outside the box and shaking things up with what they've done has really made this kind of a premier event. It's got the attention of of those top players in the world who now are making a point to play this tournament. And if I would be shocked if in the next three years we don't see other tournaments follow suit. And like you said, match play, I think there's a huge demand for match play. I would love to see more match play. I think the end of the FedEx Cup playoffs, like the last eight or 16, should definitely be match play. And, uh, you know, maybe another one in there too. So, yeah, I would be surprised. I think this is good because I think other tournaments are going to follow suit and they're going to draw in, uh, you know, more exciting, you know, bring more excitement to, to bring bigger audiences. So I, I can't wait to watch. I'll definitely be watching the Zurich for sure. Going to be a lot of fun. And, and Nick? Time flies that actually does it for the pilot episode of the At the Turn podcast. Wow. It went fast. It did go fast. So uh, hopefully it's the first of many, right? Yeah. You know, uh, I think we can do this as long as we have uh, recording equipment and an internet connection. I think. Uh... You know, there are really no hindrances. Technology doesn't go back 25 years. <laughs> yes, and uh, you know my grandma is going to subscribe. She told me so. That's that's one person right there. So I'm awesome. I'm I'm excited. Well, I'm going to subscribe too. I hope you do. <laughs> Three people are going to subscribe, and you should too. You can follow us on Twitter at the Turn Pod, like the old Facebook page. That's at Facebook.com/slash at the Turn, or you can just use the search feature, which you probably are familiar with. If you like what you hear, and why wouldn't you, please rate and review us on iTunes and tell your friends, your loved ones, and your grandmothers. All right, it's been fun. Bye, Nick. 
I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at The Turn.